0: Connecting life and faith. This is Connections.
1: I was so fearful too that, like, in losing her, that perhaps that would weaken my faith, and I would be like blaming God and so angry. And I am, I am shocked that I have not felt that way. It has really only strengthened. I, I, the whole time I told God, like, if her life is going to be full of pain and suffering, and it's going to be harder for her than. Like just take her. That's what would be best, you know. And um, I was grateful that he took her um, in a way that was quick and peaceful. And when she wasn't really, she wasn't really full of suffering. The week before, we had the most beautiful week that we have had with her.
2: She was just
1: perfect.
2: And it's that experience that led the Bakiani family to realize how precious time with the family is. They have sold everything and are now traveling the world with their three sons, Hudson, Bentley, and Micah. Today on Connections, Angela and Daniel will share the story of their beautiful daughter, Amelie. They'll also share with us how God has impacted them through all of this and what it's like to travel the world with their three boys. We'll hear that and so much more. We're joined today by the Bacchiani family. Mom and dad are Angela and Daniel, and they have three sons, Bentley, Hudson, and Micah. Tell us a little bit about this beautiful family that you have.
1: Micah Bennett. And Micah Bennett. (laughs)
2: Uh,
1: Thank you. So we are from Oregon originally, um, and we love spending time together. We had our baby girl Amelie last year Mm -hmm. and ended up having to transfer her to Ohio. So we moved the family, sold everything and moved to Ohio. (laughs) Agreeing with everything I'm saying. And um, now we are on this journey together, are grieving as a family in some beautiful places to kind of spend this time together.
2: Tell us a little bit more about your daughter. That story in itself uh, is amazing. You you went across country to basically give her the best care that she could have.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, okay. So Amelie was born four months premature. She was only one pound and four ounces. So she was teeny tiny. She was like the size of a soda can when she was born. And, um, we, she was a fighter from the start. I mean, she just declared herself right away that she had a will to live and her chances were low of surviving just her birth and everything, but she fought hard. And she, I remember they said that she probably wouldn't open her eyes for a few weeks and she ended up opening them, opening them after just a couple of days. And she just had this soulful, like we would always talk about how she was an old soul because Mm -hmm. she just, would stare into our eyes from day one with, and just kind of look into our heart and soul. She just had this way about her that was really um, just sweet and soulful, but also a fighter. She would let us know when she didn't like something, and she would fight hard to to live. Can she um, talk? She didn't talk, but she would show us with her emotion, her emotions, and her body language how she was how she would express herself. Um, she had. BPD, so her biggest battle, yeah, she got a trach. So her biggest battle was bronchopulmonary dysplasia, which is like chronic lung disease because her lungs were so underdeveloped. So that was really where she fought the hardest. And so we ended up, when she was four months old, when she was four months old, we um, transferred. So we realized that she was going to need a trach for to help her lungs give her more time to develop, we knew that she could probably get the trach out in a few years. But a lot of these babies with BPD have to have alternate means to breathe. She couldn't be intubated forever, so we wanted to get her a trach in the hospital. We couldn't do it, so we thought if we're gonna have to transfer somewhere, we might as well find the best place we possibly can. And we found nationwide Children's Hospital in Ohio was the only hospital in the country that has a unit dedicated strictly to chronic lung disease, babies have a NICU unit, that that's all they do. So we said, okay, let's go there. That seems like the best possible option for her. And the kids were awesome. I Mm -hmm. thought they were very flexible and willing to uproot their lives. Um, They, you know, it was a hard transition for them, but they were amazing. And so we sold our house, all our belongings, moved across the country to Ohio for her care. And, um, Found a little rental there and just got her tracheostomy and kept kept plugging along, heading to the hospital every day to see her and care for her. Uh, the boys started a new school and made some new friends in the neighborhood. And they were and we laugh. <laughs> So um and Amelie just kept fighting. She she overcame so many obstacles. I remember, you know, the doctors and nurses constantly were impressed with you know, she would get septic shock and just all these trials and she kept overcoming them all like they would time and time again it was a miracle that she that she had made it and was fighting so hard and then we were actually talking about discharging her and bringing her home in October she would come home with the trach, and um we were gonna learn you know we were doing our training to learn to care for her at home we we're trying to set up home nursing and really getting ready to bring her Signing. home We were learning sign language with the kids because we knew she'd be doing sign language. (laughs) We were, you know, doing, doing everything to prepare to bring her home in October. And then sadly, very unexpectedly in September, she passed away one night. We, we think she had an embolism. So, um, a blood clot, she had a blood clot in her leg and we think it may have traveled because of the way she just, her heart just suddenly stopped and her, um, Sats dropped significantly, and they tried everything and could not bring anything back up. So we were heartbroken, to say the least. And it was it was unexpected, even though we had expected it so many times before that she wouldn't make it. And she always had pulled through. It was the one time when we were okay. She's going to make it. We're bringing her home the next month, you know. And mm-hmm. and um, it didn't didn't happen that way. So. We were very sad. The boys came to the hospital and got to meet her for the first time. So not the way we wanted to meet her, but still. Yeah, I guess they did see her. Do you want to tell them about that? Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah tell us, Hudson.
1: We saw her when, um, when we were moving to Ohio. Yeah. She brought her out of the hospital and into the into the um, oh, yeah. ambulance. ambulance. So we got to see her when they were taking her to the ambu- ambulance. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Was that nice when you got to see her that time? Was it hard not to see her all the time as a big brother? Yeah. Mom, I saw her.
1: Please our heart.
2: Oh. Mm-hmm. for sure.
0: for so you know such a short life unfortunately, but I know you've said on your website and on your social media and stuff like she taught you a lot in that short time. Can you tell us some of the things that you learned from her as mom and dad?
3: Well, Angie and I have always, like, we love our boys to death. We love our children and um, we, we want the best for them. And, like, and us traveling um, allows us to spend time with them. Uh, and it also, for their education, allows them to see the world that we live in and have this greater awareness of um, the people and the different cultures and the different ways of life. But it also, like you're talking about, um, you learn a lot about yourself when you travel. Mm-hmm. And you learn a lot about yourself when I think you go through what we've experienced um, with Amelie. Um, so Angie and I every day would uh, go to the hospital. But it was, you know, one only one of us was allowed or was able to go because you know, as you can see, these boys are very energetic,
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, and, and like all children do. And uh, so the, I think the hardest part about this was um, compartmentalizing, like taking care of Amelie, spending time with Amelie, but also saving enough energy um, to take care of the boys at home. It was like it almost felt like we lived in two separate worlds, like the hospital world with Amelie. And then we'd have to come home, compartmentalize those emotions so that we could try to be there as fully as possible um, for the boys um, and all of their needs, developmental, social, spiritual. Um, So I would say the, you know, a greater awareness of the internal workings of our, of our own beings um, in so many different ways was, is part of this process and, you know, going through the grieving process, after, especially after she passed away and then us going to, to new countries and different situations where your, your, your comfort zone is expanded and that always causes discomfort. Um, sometimes stuff arises that you weren't aware of and you have to deal with it. And, but you also have to, you know, fill the family with love and support and also deal with all of these things. It's just, it's been a whirlwind to say the least.
0: Yeah. and grief is such a funny thing, right? Like it can poke its head up in different ways and catch you off guard. Right. And I can't imagine this great adventure at the same time as grieving. It must be quite the experience. Absolutely.
1: I think that, um, you know, she really taught, taught me a lot about, um, letting go of control, you know, and and having patience, like, I really, I, when your child's in in the hospital, I mean, you want to do everything you possibly can to fix it, make it better, save them, you know, we're, have everything be okay. And, you know, she kind of taught us that things are out of our control, we don't have control over these, these things but we can let go a little bit. And, enjoy the present moment that we're in because that's all we have. Like we only have that time, that moment and that time, we were not promised the next day or the next hour. And I think we've taken that to now realize like, okay, this is all we have with our kids too. We're not promised tomorrow or, you know, the next, um, the next day. So we just really trying to live in the present and let go of any like control over, um, ideas of what, you know, the future might be exactly, but just having more grace for ourselves and the time that we're in and trying to be present.
3: Greater appreciation for for the life that we're living uh, as we know it and um a greater appreciation and gratitude and love for the people around us. Yeah, like I think death is a it it trivializes the trivial to some degree and um w- w- we're able to appreciate the little things in life a little bit more and love a little bit more and um uh, be grateful a little bit more
2: what has it been like for for you guys to at this young age get to experience all these different places um, good it's been really
1: fun yeah traveling the world yeah, yeah things. Yeah. What's one of your favorite places we've experienced? Yeah.
2: Like? Um um
1: probably like in my Museum M- Museum. This would be one of my top five. M- yeah. Museum Museum. M- this, this M- yeah.
2: M- Why is it your favorite?
1: M- um because M- M- is, the pool is right near the beach and there's like
0: 13 pools. and Nice. <laughs> Have you guys been anywhere cold yet? Or has it been all warm places? You should come to Canada. Come to
1: Winnipeg. <laughs> do you remember where we went that was uh, kind of cold? Ohio? Well, that was where we were before. Yeah. But where, did, where were we just at before Panama that we got Mexico? to like, Surprisingly, not like Canada, but tell them what we got to do in Mexico that we learned it was kind of cold cool. at night. <laughs> <laughs> so it actually where we were staying in mexico we were up in the mountains at a pretty high elevation near valley de bravo and uh it would it would drop to like the high 30s low 40s at night oh yeah and, and the only way to really heat the houses that we were at was by fire so we would like light a fire and keep that going late into the night and the light went early in the morning to stay warm and then during the day it was beautiful it's still 70s 70s or maybe 80s during the day and but it was kind of fun because they got to roast marshmallows and cozy up by the fire at night.
0: Nice. Micah, did you
1: want to tell them one of your favorite places? I heard you trying to talk. Did you want to say something? Museum. The
2: museum. The museum? Ah. What was cool about the museum? Micah,
1: what cool about
2: the museum? Oh. <laughs> <Whoa>, cool.
1: <laughs>
3: This guy—he's our snack king. Micah is our snack king. I think he's been dealing with grief by. Um,
0: and I'm the snacking.
3: lizard king. <laughs> he, wherever oh. we go, he looks for snacks and things. He just—he obsesses over snacks.
1: You're the lizard king, Bentley? What? What? Do, why are you the lizard king? Because
0: I catch lizards.
3: I would say on the trip, he's probably caught like a hundred lizards. Really? Oh, wow. You're not
0: afraid of lizards? Not at all. One thousand. One thousand. <laughs> <laughs>
2: They are so precious and love them. Um, you guys are a family of faith, too. Tell us a little bit about how all of this has impacted your faith.
1: Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, God has gotten us through this. There, my faith over the last year and a half has grown exponentially because I had no other choice. Like, I just had to really give it over to God and say, look, like I can't do anything day by day, sustain me give me the strength that I need to make it through the day, you know, give me the strength that I need just to walk over to the hospital and walk into that room. I mean, it was, you never know when you're going in that room, what to expect, like, Mm. is she going to be, you know, de and alarms going off and is there going to be a team in there working on her? You know, there's just, it was so unknown and I had to just pray my entire way to the hospital to make it there. And then really just try to give it over to God and say, I trust you. I trust you. I trust you and what's amazing i was so fearful too that like in losing her that perhaps that would weaken my faith and i would be like blaming god and so angry and i am i am shocked that i have not felt that way it has really only strengthened i i the whole time i told god like if her life is going to be full of pain and suffering and it's going to be harder for her than Like, just take her. That's Hmm. what would be best, you know? And, um, I was grateful that he took her, um, in a way that was quick and peaceful. And when she wasn't really, she wasn't really full of suffering the week before we had the most beautiful week that we have had with her. She was just perfect. Um, and we had those special, that special time together and, um, Sorry. (laughs) Thought I could get through without crying, but obviously not. Um, But she, I feel like God spared us. I told Daniel, like, what if she would have come home and that would have happened at home? She could have easily had an embolism the next month at home. I would have blamed myself or Hmm. Daniel or my kids. I would have totally been like, what did we do? What could we have done? Like, I would have blamed myself. I wasn't there when she passed. I was in the shower at home. And I was sad that I wasn't there, but I think God spared me that trauma of seeing, you know, them try to resuscitate her and do chest compressions and, you know, it can be traumatic. And I think he spared me that memory of witnessing that in his grace. Um, you should stop drinking so I can stop. <laughs> anyway, I just, I, I would say that my faith, my relationship with God, I feel like he's just carried me through both, the NICU process and the grief process. And he just continues to lift us up. And I know so many families get just completely torn apart by grief. You know, like everybody goes into their separate corners and grieves independently and it's tears them apart. You know, I, I know families personally who have lost a child that have divorced afterwards because they couldn't, their grief was too much handled together. And I was so scared that would happen. I just, we prayed together and said, you know, what can we do during this to survive and to not only survive, but somehow get meaning from it and um, decided that really we want to grieve together as a family. We want to have this time to focus on each other and loving each other as best as we can and spending this quality time together and grieve together. You know, the kids are used to me breaking out tears <laughs> in front of them and talking about it and like talking about what what do we miss about Amelie and how do we see her still in God's creations and like feel her little Mm. gifts from her and God um we've seen like hundreds of butterflies on this trip which for us is kind of a thing because we released butterflies at her funeral and I just feel like that's God's way of just a little gift of love and reminder like you know we're still here and we love you and we we're with you so so
0: so the travel was intentional bringing together to grieve together then it wasn't like, uh, we need to get away and run away from memories and stuff, but to come closer together and stick together.
1: Intentional to be together. I, I, when the, when she first passed away and the kids were still in school, like we would get the kids off to school and just crawl back in bed and cry and grieve. And it was like, I can't live like this. We need to have a purpose. We need to have a reason to get up. The kids give us a reason to get up and, and get going in the morning and keep keep on living life and, and be intentional about that. And so I knew that if we had a, a purpose to live intentionally with them, present and enjoying life, showing them the world in her honor and, and bringing her along with us in our hearts and, and talking about her as part of our family, that we could grieve together and have a nice distraction at the same time, right? <laughs> like it's easy to just get swallowed up by grief if it, it can consume us, but um, it gives us some purpose. And
2: yeah. what, a, what a special way and what a reminder to all of us to not take our families for granted. We can so often get caught up in the busyness of life. I mean, the pandemic has slowed us a lot, a lot of us down and reminded us, like I've been excited to work from home because I get to see my kids, something you take for granted, but this is a, this is a reminder what your family is doing that family is so important that togetherness is so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. What would you say to other families out there that maybe are going through grief, like your family, what would you say to them?
1: Um, I would, you want to say I'm talking to <laughs> <laughs> um, I would just encourage them to, slow down and take the time that they need. I think, you know, if we try to rush through grief and move on quickly, it, it, I mean, I don't think we'll ever move on. I think it's going to be a part of our journey for the rest of our lives. But I think sometimes jumping back into full-time work and full-time school and trying to just live the normal life, life I feel like for us is not going to be normal again. Like, how can it, how can we go back to normal? (laughs) Like we are missing a part of family until we are in heaven and feel complete again as a family, like all together. I don't think that we're ever going to feel like, Oh, this is just normal life now, you know? So I think recognizing that and then seeing how can we honor our grief and our daughter and our, our time in a way that makes us live differently because of it. Like what, How can we? And for not in traveling isn't that's not it for everybody, you know. Maybe it's giving volunteering and giving of our time to a good cause that is related to the loss somehow. Or I think there's different ways to honor our grief and try to unite it, unite us as a family, and tear us apart. But I think being aware that it definitely can cause families. I've had so many people reach out to me that oh, I lost a sibling as a child. And I wish my family would have done something like this because it was the darkest time of our life. Like our Mm -hmm. parents just Mm -hmm. went into this deep depression and couldn't be present with us. And I felt like when they died, when my sibling died, I also lost my parents for a long time, you know? And I think that just people being aware that that's a real possibility if you're, if you lose a child because of how much the grief you have to be intentional about doing something with that that grief and not letting it swallow you whole but still embracing it and recognizing it and letting it come when it does <laughs> you know because it's just in these waves of you don't know you know we'll be out at the beach and see a little baby girl and i just start Bawling, you know, just thinking like that's how I always want to know. I'm like obsessed with knowing how old that baby is. (laughs) Like is that how old would be? Like, is that what she would look like on the beach with us? And um, but just like talking to the boys about it and saying, Yeah, that scene that baby girl really makes me miss you know, and just kinda letting it letting ourselves feel those emotions when they come, but also just to live.
0: Yeah, that's so healthy, right? Like, so uh, we don't talk about those things with, especially with our kids, we try and protect them and shelter it from them. And like you said before, hide in our own corners kind of thing. And we think we're protecting them, but we're probably doing way more damage by doing things like that.
1: Yeah, I think it eats us up if we keep it inside, you know, we just have that lump in our throat constantly and we can't, and then they're, they're all, they're very aware. I mean, kids are so uh, aware of what's, what the feelings are like in the household and everything. And so it gives them an opportunity to feel like they could talk about their feelings too, you know, and they'll randomly say things that it's like, Hey, let's talk about that some more, you know? Um, so I think it's important.
2: Just in the time that we've been chatting with you and just getting to know you, you can see what you're doing is working for your family. I see between the two of you right now, I saw it with the kids. Um, moving forward what's up next for your family
1: (laughs) if god would tell
2: us
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah we we really don't know um i i think we're praying about it we're kind of we got like the next six weeks planned for some different locations we've talked about maybe we buy an rv and travel in the u.s a little bit and explore some national parks i think for us as a family like destinations where we can just be outside in nature is the most healing like being in nature really makes us feel closer to God and closer to Amelie and just I think that's the healing place for us so anywhere we can be where there's some nature is good um and I don't know we you know we've talked maybe we travel for the next six months or a year or something and then find some land and build a house or something um we don't know it's it's such a crazy world we're in right now (laughs) I just keep praying, like, God come back soon. Let's let's just get this over with. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, say that's my prayer too lately. Yeah. So.
1: <laughs> for the kids are in middle school it would really be great. Like, please
2: God,
1: great. <laughs> um,
3: It's like the so we um we had kind of a story written out for our lives and mm-hmm. um through this whole process, like we've had to rewrite our story like multiple times. And I think we're kind of in the in in the middle of rewriting a story that works for us mm-hmm. um, um, under the circumstances that we're in, and so it's yeah it's it's dynamic right now for us. Um, nothing's really set in stone, but yeah, we're one thing that we do know for sure is that we are together, we're working together. We love our each other, and we love our boys, mm-hmm. and we're on the same page as far as. Rewriting a story that works for us mm-hmm. on moving forward. That
1: I think just being open to God's leading and where he's going to open doors and close doors will help us determine what's the next step, you know? Yeah.
0: Well, we can follow along on that journey. Uh, maybe before you tell us how we can follow you and, and your family's journey, how can we pray for you? And how can people listening pray for you as a family?
1: Mm, that's a good one. Um I would say you could pray for patience, because <laughs> 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 traveling, you know, it wears on you too. It's like we are constantly having to figure out where do we gotta check in, check out, where are we going next? What are we doing, getting those boys under control? Um, but pray praying for our patience as parents that we would have kindness and patience and empathy towards our kids. <laughs> um And just, just pray that we will listen to God's leading and continue to let him lead and guide and, and follow where he's leading. Like, like Daniel was saying, we really had, um, ideas of what, you know, we were going to be medical parents taking care of only for the next five, 10 years, really with her medical care that was necessary and really saw us going down that road and, um, we're happy to embrace that. And now we're thinking like, how can we give back to that community too? Like, what can we do to help uh, other families that have kids in the NICU, babies in the NICU or trach babies or things like that? So we're trying to think about how we can give back as well. But yes. so just praying for guidance on all of that. Be great.
2: For people that are listening that want to follow along with your family, want to see what you're up to, want to learn more about your story. How can they go about doing that?
1: Yeah, we're, I mean, Media Outlook right now is uh, Instagram, and it is Adventures of Amelie and Bros. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So uh, we didn't change the name. That was our our name when we were with her in the NICU, and afterwards we feel like she's still with us traveling along and the heart of why we're doing this. So it's Adventures of Amelie and Bros on Instagram, and we have other, we're on Facebook and TikTok and um, a blog. We have a blog that we write about a bit but our main outlet is definitely Instagram. We're talking about a YouTube maybe and see what we can do to inspire other families to consider the, I think the grief process is, is sort of a taboo topic sometimes that doesn't get talked about enough. And I would like to build awareness for other families of they're going through it, that it's okay to be open about it and talk about it and share what it's like so that other people have more empathy for those of us that are going through it. And um, other people that are going through it, feel free to move through that grief crisis as organically as possible.
0: Yeah. yeah. And-, and the other thing
1: is,
3: is the support that we receive from friends and family and people we don't know yeah. has really allowed us to get through this. Okay. Um, and it's their, their, the courage that they've taken to come into our world and be there with us while we're going through this. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know how I'm going to thank the universe for all that kindness. <laughs> um because you know they they push past that whatever the death taboo you know we it's hard to talk about sometimes and and we we don't talk about it because it is so hard um but you know the, the, our friends and family um and you know like i said people we don't know coming and giving us the support like has really allowed us to get through this and for that we have an eternal appreciation
0: and gratitude yeah for sure thank Thank you too so much for sharing so openly with us and sharing with the world on instagram and stuff and i know your story is going to help others too thank you well thank you so much for having us
2: yeah And thank you so much for joining us and for listening today. Don't forget to check out some of the other conversations we've had on Connections. You can do that by checking out our podcast, Connections with Mike, Tom, and Colleen Hood. You can find that at podcastville.ca or wherever else you get your favorite podcast from. Don't forget to subscribe while you're there. We'll talk to you again on Connections.